Hello. Good morning. Kale, what time is it where where you are? Uh, Three o'clock. It's a good afternoon if you're not uh, waking up bright and early in the morning like we are. uh, We're the Comics Pals. I'm I'm Tyler, your your host this week, as as Sean is. Can we say what Sean's doing? The thing is, he never has, so I don't know. I don't oh. want to out him for what he's doing. Um, yes. But I'm going to say loop. that to make it uh, uh, mysterious. Now people want to know. Mm-hmm. So I'll mm-hmm. just put the pressure on Sean for the next time he's on the show. Sean's doing stuff. What it is, fill in the blanks. Let's just mm-hmm. say it might be a little warmer where he is. That's That's the little hint I'll give you. I'm going to dock Sean live on the air. He's not watching. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But we're here uh, with uh, Kale. Hello. What's up, hot dogs? Uh, Marco. Howdy. And a new face. Uh, a not Sean face. Uh, we're here with a uh, writer of uh, All Against All, which comes out, uh, was it next week? Yeah, next week. Um, Alex Packnadel. How you doing? Very well. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Thanks, sir. I say we're here with, and my cat just jumps on the on the desk to be like, "Oh, me! It's my turn! It's my cue!" All right, not, not your turn, bud. Um, but yeah, before we get into the interview, we want to talk to, to Alex about all against all. Um, but we got to do some house cleaning here with uh, the Patreon. So um, if you like what we do and you like our show and you want to support it, uh, follow us on uh, subscribe to us on Patreon at uh, Patreon.com/slash/TheComicsPals. Where for five dollars a month or up, you can get newsletters. Sean just put one out. Um, I put out cocktail recipes uh, when I can. Um, uh, Kale does coffee cups and other things, and Marco does thirty-two page long uh, diatribes, <laughs> Mon- manga reviews. <laughs> yeah, I put out a uh, half a page long cocktail recipe, and Marco does a thesis. So these are the different things you can experience on there. Um, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Wow. I try to make it after, after comic book things, too. Like, I did, like, a Gore the God Butcher mm-hmm. one with uh, charcoal yeah. in it. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting drink. Uh, That's yeah, crazy. They're, they're, they're the fun. She-Hulk they're one fun. was good. I, that, that one I tried. That was the gin-based one, right? Uh, the She-Hulk one, uh, the Miss Marvel one was gin-based. I think the She-Hulk one was a play on a missionary's downfall which is a tiki drink don't get me started marco it's way too early for me sorry, sorry to start sorry. thinking about booze Beer in hand um, yeah, yeah exactly. like the sea hulk one didn't have like absinthe oh uh, see i i thought about it i thought about it but instead it was lime and uh uh, uh mint based so right yeah that's no, how I, I can see that so i slipped the green in there you know Wanted yeah, to course. be a little, a little brighter. Also, I don't like absinthe, so that's that's on me. But yeah. if you subscribe to our Patreon, you can also get uh, some superpowers here. So I want to go through a list of uh, some of our patrons with uh, Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, The Night Stalker, Harris Najinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Random Rocio, Kefis the Incorruptible, The Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross, Catherine Stars, and The Ultimate Fighter, Snake of Talons. Uh, thank you guys for supporting the show. And if you want a wonky, weird name like that, uh, subscribe, and we'll, we'll, we'll give it to you live on the air. That came out wrong, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> great way to start. Guys, um, where else can you find us? Uh Twitch.tv slash the comics pals, youtube.com slash the comics pals. Look, look up here. Uh, where's my finger pointing? Uh, other way. Um, look up there if you want to see where you can follow us. It's the comics pals pretty much everywhere. Um, even though Twitter is a little transitory right now, but we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> no. But we're here for a reason. We wanted to talk 
have a little sit down with Alex about uh, All Against All, a new Image comic coming out. Uh, issue one comes out uh, December seventh. Um, yeah, I got to I got to Wednesday. read a little. I got to read a little a little bit early on it. Um, so I have I have some some thoughts here. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, well, I just want to see. Oh, oof. there it is. Thank you. Yeah. See, when Sean's here, he's the one who always brings the physical copies. So like, you got to fill in for him. I appreciate that. <laughs> he's the one's always showing them off. Um, but yeah, for for the listeners and viewers, how would you uh how would you give? I, I hate to say elevator pitch. I feel like that's just a cliche at this point. But that's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean the yeah the 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 very easily digestible one is basically Tarzan meets the Xenomorph from Alien, uh, mm. but it, it's a yeah. like a like I would say like total top level. It's a species flipped alien. So instead of having uh, an alien scampering around a ship, falling at oh. you know swooping out of ducts, killing people, you've got aliens uh, running around. Uh, while a human being, the last human being in the universe, is swooping down out of ducts and tearing them to pieces and generally eviscerating them and being thoroughly unpleasant. That is tremendous. An alien, it's alien but flipped. Yeah. Whoa. A lot of the 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 work you do is like this post-humanist sort of society stuff like uh, Arcadia, stuff like Frendo. Well, I guess Frendo, maybe not post-humanist, but a lot of technology gets involved. Mm. Where does uh, where does the interest for that come from in, in exploring those kinds of concepts? Uh, in, in particular for um, All Against All, it looks like a lot of it was with, uh, I guess not evolution necessarily, but it, it looks to be like this uh, robotic sentience. Um, what's the interest there? Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's it's um, it's still organic, uh, but the the idea in all against all is that basically you have this alien this uh, alien civilization uh, that um, have no bodies of their own, right? Uh, or rather, they do, but they're these kind of jellyfish things that are also kind of like biologically immortal, um, as some jellyfish are. Uh, but what they do is, you know, the way they the way they expand, the way they conquer is um, they they take vertebrates as hosts. Basically, they kind of wrap themselves around the brainstem and sort of puppeteer them. But their civilization is now so established and so old that the um, the the brutality of their origins is kind of long forgotten. You know, they, they basically, they curate their bodies from other species now, but you know, they're, they, they shop for them in showrooms. They're all kind of, you know, beautiful and pristine and they all smell like new cars. So they don't really have any kind of conception of, uh, the actual, like the, the sort of the barbarism of their own sort of mode of like conquest. Right. Uh, but what you have in, you know, what they've done basically is they've, you know, it's thousands of years in the future and they have found, um, a load of, uh, spe- uh, embryos from, uh, a dead earth basically. And so what they do is they recreate an earth habitat on this sort of orbiting platform. And, you know, as often happens, they find themselves in a war 
and all of a sudden they need stronger, more robust bodies. So what they're doing is they're basically trying to exploit the earth biome uh, for its kind of genetic riches so they can build sort of stronger and better bodies for themselves as like so, sort of exosuits. Um, so, you know, I mean, I guess what I had sort of, again, I mean, it doesn't map on perfectly and I would never presume to sort of be able to provide a kind of digest of that in any way. But I mean, I guess colonialism was kind of uppermost in my thoughts, mm. right? This idea of, you know, being so divorced from the the method of uh of one's own kind of colonial praxis that you know you no longer think of it as uh you no longer think of it as barbaric it is simply the way right, right. that was where i was kind of going with that and i think in particular it's interesting when you build out uh, a bit of a nuance with bate who has this sort of empathy and who who has this moral dilemma in actually proceeding with a lot of the actions um, mm. compared to something like General Corvin, uh, Coven mm. rather, uh, who's just like, we're in it, we're, we're ready to, to destroy, we're ready to like, keep the mandate going. Um, mm. And to your point on, you know, from generations ago to now this point, you have a, a space to be able to, um, uh, a, a space to be able to be kind. And I think that's very interesting. Mm. Um, but I mean, as the series progresses, you know, we're going to, we're going to delve into that, what that kindness entails. Okay. Uh, it, yeah. I, I mean, I, I won't give too much away, but, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's an interesting time to be writing this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, for something like a, uh, I, I did a reread last night of Arcadia and the fact that it's post pandemic uh, as well, mm. just kind of like hit me very different uh, in this, in this read through. And uh, you explore similar concepts there about like bodies where uh, it looked, there's like a, a, um, a class system within it where mm. the more bodies you have, the more, I guess, wealthy you are, the more access you have to pixels to define your body versus having these amorphous blobs as, uh, or, or these pieces of code to sort of define the body. Um, and that sort of body horror exists here as well. Um, so I think it's a, a well done method to get across the, both the brutality, but also um, speak about that class system and some of that colonial, colonialism that you've mentioned. No, I appreciate that. Thanks. I, I mean, Arcadia, I mean, gosh, I mean, that's a seven year old book now. Um, which feels bizarre to say, but um, uh, it's it's weird, man. I mean, you know, I, I wrote that book that was all that that all kind of arose out of um, you know I was working I was working in the sort of digital marketing at the sort of start of the two thousand tens, and all of the kind of really creepy surveillance tech that everyone was kind of insisting was perfectly pure and benign and wasn't going to hurt anybody and would never be used for nefarious political purposes. All of that was mm. kind of happening around that time. <laughs> and it was kind of weird to have, you know, not by any means a full brain, certainly still half a brain, but, you know, but to just be sort of looking at my colleagues and just kind of going, yeah, this is going to a really dark place. man." Um, and then, you know, turning that into fiction. Mm. Wonder if that's uh, why it, uh, it speaks to you, Marco. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I work in digital marketing. I started around that 2015 era, so like I I know exactly what you mean, dude. It, uh, 2011 was when you remember, like 2011 was basically when 
you know, Facebook had scaled to such an extent that they had to, the way it was kind of described to us was like, basically they had to kind of, they had to hyper target their algorithm to make it, to make the platform small again, because it had just got Mm -hmm. too big. Um, And, you know, from that point on, I mean, I remember sort of talking to a colleague about it and it was about the, the Amazon recommendation algorithm. And I was kind of going, well, hang on, if this is all kind of interest-based and then everything becomes interest-based targeting, then all you're ever doing is like, you're just eating your own shit the whole time. Like <laughs> okay. not, not, nothing, nothing outside of you yeah. is ever entering. Oh, right. yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it's yeah, all, yeah. it all just becomes a hall of mirrors, you know, like, what it can't account for is the alligatory is the thing that you wouldn't you know the 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 weird um kitchen sink realist novel that you would never have dreamed of reading but that just you know you found it on a train and you read that like it'll never do that for you it will never it'll never bring in anything from outside it will only ever feed you you and i just remember thinking at the time like Genuinely, like, like, you know, not with any kind of particular clairvoyance, right? Because there were any number of people and far, far smart people saying the same thing, but just kind of going, well, like, of course, like, this is going to end in fascism. <laughs> like, how could it not? Like, you know, it's, you know, uh, uh, cultural incest, effectively, you know? Mm. Or, I, I no, think... no, no, cultural autophagy. It's you, like, you know, culturally, like gnawing strips off your own arm. It's it's awful. I mean, that's uh, that feels like the the algorithms for social media right now is like you know you pertain to to the audience and the the amount of information that you consume is siloed into the amount of information that would keep you on the platform because they're trying to keep yeah. your attention. And if you're so uh, uh, in so far as you're able to go to another platform, we can keep you with some sort of engaging content uh, yeah. that aligns to an interest that aligns to. Uh, something that the user is looking for they just keep mm. getting fed that and you just get sucked into this vicious cycle of all right now i only consume this sort of content and i think people don't realize how segmented those people are like they don't interact yeah. and so they don't see opposing uh they don't see opposing ideas even um and uh, friendo uh, a great example of that sort of stuff of like social media and like the algorithms involved um which makes a lot more sense now. Uh, now that I know you have that experience in digital marketing, that absolutely makes sense. The algorithm is playing there. Well, it, it, it's some, um, I, I mean, friend, I was an, in, I, sorry, I really genuinely didn't mean for this to turn into a career res- retrospective. And I will. <laughs> no, I, I apologize. Like, I'll no, 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 Marcos, no, just keep going. Marco's yeah. first question was about post-humanism. So we were, I mean, we were off the cliff <laughs> as soon as it started. But um, yeah, no, I, I think, um, Again, with Friendo, it was that kind of, I was very interested in that idea of kind of uh, uh, surrogacy, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the thing that that these technologies give you are also the things that they take away. So, um, I mean, I remember, you know, I mean, again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering this, so forgive me, but, you know, one of the big sort of, uh, you know, one of the sort of post-its that I had kind of, you know, above my desk when I was writing Friendo was, you know, I keep coming back to this sort of almost a sort of anthropological frame, right, of, you know, realistically, okay, so you have 500 friends. I mean, I know nobody nobody really speaks in these terms anymore, which I think sort of speaks to, you know, we've got a generation now that has kind of grown up 
with social technology and is maybe a little more wise to it and a little more resistant to it, I would say. Um, I mean, I certainly, you know, I saw like Facebook become like your grandmother's platform. I saw that happen in mm -hmm. real time. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, at a certain point, this idea that, you know, okay, so you've got how many, you know, how many friends do you have? How many, you know, I, I influence how many people? And really, you know, there are like, there are like archaic brain structures that kind of determine like how many friends you can actually have. And you'll probably find that the number of friends you can, the number of people that you can actually form an effective bond with probably corresponds to, let's say, a Neolithic village's worth of people. Sure. Odd how we keep coming back to that, given that our brains haven't actually evolved since then. So, you know, really, yeah, like there are 25 people in your life that you like actually are friends with. Um, and I remember just sort of writing Friendo with that in mind, just kind of like, man, yeah, like these, the, we, we had this we had this notion in the 80s that technology was going to be profoundly kind of alienating uh and you know the, all we were going to hear was this kind of you know cold crunch of synthesizers and i remember douglas copeland saying in the 90s like no this technology's what this technology is not going to be cold and antiseptic the really terrible thing about it is is this technology is going to put an arm around your shoulder and try and console you when your cat dies that's when it's going to get really scary. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, like, to be fair, like, you know, when Friendo came out, I mean, I remember, like, I was already behind the curve. Like, I remember a bunch of people kind of, kind of saying to me, like, oh, it's just like an episode of Black Mirror. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, we're all drinking the same cultural groundwater, right? So, mm -hmm. or, or drinking from the same cultural aquifer. So, you know, it's no it's no surprise that these things kind of come up again and again. But it's it is. Yeah, that 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 I, I just remember being sort of profoundly disturbed by that idea of, you know, um, commerce, uh, you, you know. Yeah. OK. Not not commerce giving you um, intimations of intimacy, you know, uh, but like genuinely trying to be your shoulder to cry on as long as you keep buying shit, you know yeah like, like the the way brands play into different events holidays the way they they banter on the internet now they're, they're trying to be people and i think people have forgotten that to make the separation of well just because they're on a social media platform does not inherently mean they are like a they're 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 an entity made yeah. of a, some collection of people who don't have priorities who don't have uh an actual mission or end goal beyond a financial incentive and mm. you're going to attribute uh like let's say the so the, the grumpy cat dies like every brand and their mother has to say something about that because it is culturally relevant to the population mm. and if we're in that conversation hey we can feed you something to like come here like like buy you know our merch for this or like buy our uh oh you're really sad here's like a box of tissues like you 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 insert yourself into the conversation so that you can uh market to them and get somebody to buy something off of whatever tragedy Grumpy, but it, it's, cra it's crazy when it becomes actually tendentious i mean i remember like you know like there was a thing a few months ago that just absolutely blew my mind which was someone saying without a trace of irony like and here's ben and jerry's perspective on the ukraine conflict and i was like what <laughs> the fuck is happening yeah like, <laughs> what <laughs> I need to know. Uh, Rocky Hill Road, I need to know. Like, what, like, what can I say about it? 
okay, to, to, to bring it back to all against all. Like, the, sorry, the, sorry. I know, because I'm going to tie this in here. I'm going to tie this in here. Um, all against all, it, it is almost like, sure, it's, it's a sci-fi book, and you would expect there to be technology and stuff, but it's a very biological form of technology. Um, mm. Is that uh, was that a, a a purposeful decision as a as almost like a rejection of technology and its and, and the way we view it? Um, ultimately, like I, I think it was. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay that sure-footedly on Casper's porch, Casper uh, Wingard. You know, my yep. uh, the co-creator. Um, I mean, I I. Uh, I, I early discussions, you know, I said I, I'd, I'd quite like this. You know, I said, I, look, you know, there's going to be this spaceship and it's it's kind of like a silent running sort of terrarium. Um, and it's going to have lots all sorts of like Earth habitats sort of, you know, vying for supremacy and they don't really belong together. And it's all really chaotic and whatnot. But in terms of the design of the ship and the and differentiating it, that was all. Very broad strokes, I said, you know, I think it should be kind of organic, which is the ugliest and dumbest brief I could have possibly given him because <laughs> I basically just like curled one out on his desk, um, <laughs> you know, because like it, it's it's it, 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 it's the, it's the Stan Lee, like have them fight God. You know what I mean? Like what a right, yeah. <laughs> like what a mean thing to do to someone. But like that, that that's kind of that's kind of how I did it. Right. So uh, I just said, OK, I, th I think it should be organic. And then Casper kind of went away and and. and and created this, this very textured, um, very kind of Venus. I mean, it, it reminds me because you know the the, the 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 aliens themselves resemble jellyfish, right? So um, everything to me, to, to me, everything sort of looks like it's, it's sort of technological seashells. Mm. Um, and they're, 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 there's definitely like there's coral in places, and it's all very it's all very you know marine themed. Um, but, um, also I guess, you know, the aliens themselves, you know, the, the exoskeletons that they have are quite sort of chitinous and, uh, I would say like, you know, crab and lobster like, yep. um, mm -hmm. so yeah, so there's like, you know, some, some, some crustacean stuff going on or mollusk stuff or whatever. But, um, uh, I think, um, overall, uh, I only really sort of painted everything with the very broadest, the brushstrokes, and Casper kind of took the ball and ran with it, really, because that's kind of what he does. Is is that how you work with artists? You usually kind of give them. Or does it depend the artist? Does it depend sort of the the story that you're trying to tell, and where you allow, I mean, not the creative freedom, but you kind of just allow them the to take that direction and and run with it. Well, it's odd, you know, because I mean, obviously, you know, it, we're very isolated, and it's very, it's very interesting, sort of sometimes seeing how uh, other people write. You know, I mean, I I didn't realize until a while ago just what a kind of control freak I am, um, <laughs> in the sense that, like, I, you know, I will put in if I want a particular camera angle, like I'll put it in there. Um, if I want a particular effect, I'll put it in there, and. Um, Often, uh, if I'm, you know, but what I have to say is like, I have to do that. So for, 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 for my purposes, right, I have to do that in order to see it linearly. But if I'm working with someone awesome, which, you know, I'm happy to say has happened to me a few times now, then uh, they invariably will kind of pick up what I've written and just kind of toss out half of it 
because they don't want to be micromanaged in that way. And and look, I mean, look, and and and, and it's it's fine. It works. And then I go and re-dialogue that, and it all kind of works beautifully. But I mean, Casper's got a, a, an absolute. I would say, like you know, a very bas. He's got a basilisk eye, right? Like, I mean, he he really does see things in his head in a way that um, I don't. Mm. Um, you know, there are some writers. I mean, I'm thinking like Ram V. Um, Kieran Gillen, Al Ewing, uh, Kelly Sidconic, who very clearly have a kind of mental hologram of the page in front of them as they're writing and they're basically just transcribing. I don't have that at all. Um, I I don't have a particularly kind of visual imagination. I mean, I get I get sort of I get dialogue exchanges that feel naturalistic to me, and I kind of I try and sort of build around that. So. When I'm working with an artist, what I'm really doing is I'm using a sort of, you know, I'm, in an, I'm, I'm enough of a student of comics that, you know, um, I can I can do, I mean, this sounds terrible, but like I can look at a page of like Xenozoic Tales or whatever, which is, you know, absolutely sublime sort of silent kind of comic making and just go, okay, well, I know that I need to have that beat, that beat, that beat, that beat, and those will follow on logically. And, you know, I won't have any kind of weird tangents if I do this. And then... I know that if I write it, um, and obviously, you know, I'm using different props, different characters and everything, but if I, if I, if I retain that motion and the way that's going to guide the eye, then that at the very least is a sort of good skeletal blueprint, which can then be taken and used. But I mean, I, I, it took, again, I mean, I figured this out the other day. Um, I, I, and I, it must be, it must be immensely frustrating to work with me, but like, I think I write comics backwards um, in as much as, um my first dialogue pass when i'm writing the script is always very 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 bare bones reason being um i can't actually see the story until i get the art which is you know a huge ask oh. but so what sort of generally happens is i'll 10 peg it uh i'll you know i'll write these detailed panel descriptions and everything but you know the dialogue won't be fleshed out at all and then when i get the art I can then, I you know, I have that hologram in front of me that I've needed the whole time, and then I then I can actually like build the comic. But yeah, I mean, in a weird sense, <coughs> pardon me, in a very weird sense, I'm kind of writing comics backwards, you know. So when you write, is it not traditional like panel by panel breakdown? It's much looser than that. No, uh, I, I do, I do, I do all that, but gotcha. um, I will. Uh, like my lettering pass is almost always a complete soup to nuts rewrite. Mm, okay. Because, but, but, but it, it's some, you know, it depends who you're working with, you know, but like, like for, like I did that with Martin Simmons and he was just like, cool, that's fine. Uh, whereas, you know, Casper and I have to have a bit more of a kind of conversation about it because, you know, he's very, um, uh, you know, uh, very kind of conscious of like uh, balloon placing and what have you, you know, like very kind of, you know, precision based on that level. So, you know, we have to have those conversations and like, we, you know, we're great friends. So it's always kind of amicable, but he, I, I, I write full script because that's how you write. I don't really know that I could write Marvel style. And, and, and like, I've tried to do so before, but like, I have to say, like it, it feels look, man, like I know, like for instance, like the way fraction wrote hawkeye like hawkeye hawkeye was written marvel style um yeah. but um it it feel it, just for my purposes i wouldn't feel if i didn't write full script i wouldn't feel that i was doing my job 
Uh, and like I, like I said, I, I know that you can write Marvel style perfectly. You know, there's a ton of work that goes into it. I'm just saying it, it's just I, I, I grew up writing DC style. So like mm. that's just it, it, it just feels much more kind of natural to me. But once I get the art, it's it, it sparks. It sends me off into different tangents, I guess, because, you know, I haven't what I'm, like I haven't really seen these characters before. I haven't seen these situations before. And once I see them, I'll go, oh, it's actually about that. And then I'll basically kind of go and like, yeah, like I said, often uh, certainly scenes, not issues generally. But, yeah, I'll read dialogue kind of whole whole scenes like soup to nuts. And I would say especially seeing um, I don't I don't remember if there's is there a race name for these uh, the, the aliens in, in All Against All? Uh, no, they're, uh, they're just uh, they're just called operators. Yeah, yeah, that's but like, especially seeing them, I guess, for the first time after writing them, that's got to then dictate where they start going after that, you know? Well, 100%. I mean, because yeah. a lot of that, I mean, they, uh, look, this may or may not be interesting. I'll, 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 I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll try and keep it brief, but there was a lot of back and forth between us, right? Because I, I initially asked Casper for the impossible. Um, because what I wanted in the first instance was I was saying, like, look, let's make them like alien as hell, right? Um, I don't want to do like Navi, you know, absolutely no disrespect to like Avatar or anything like that. But like, I don't want, I don't want like dudes with like dudes with like mouths and eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like, that's, you know, it's this sort of Star Trek thing of like, it's a dude with some shit on his face. Right. Like I, I I, I didn't want that. Um, you know, so what's truly alien. Okay. Well, like you can say, okay. Yeah. Like the, the Xenomorph, right. Like, yeah. Okay. There's like, there's like a bunch of cockroach stuff in there and like a bunch of like, uh, Freudian phallic stuff going on and yeah. Okay. But like it is, it has no readable eyes. It is truly inscrutable. It is truly Lovecraftian and unknowable. Right. Um, the thing, uh, you don't even, you, you never see the thing. You only see what it's trying to kind of imitate and, and the breakdown of that. Right. So I was tending more in that direction, but it was really interesting. Right. Because, uh, you know, you go right back to Scott McCloud, right. You know, uh, he, in understanding comics where he says, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of empathy machines, but we're hardwired to empathize with, you know, things that have two dots and a line where a mouth should be. And, you know, we see it in objects around us. We see it in houses. We see it in the grills of cars. We are absolutely optimally hardwired to empathize with that with that facial configuration. And so um, what I'm asking readers to do, or what we're asking readers to do with All Against All, is basically empathize with the aliens over the, the single human being. The single human being in this is kind of the antagonist. So... We were talking about it and, you know, we went through, you know, exhaustive design process in terms of, okay, well, like maybe they don't have eyes, you know, maybe they don't have a mouth. And it was so strange, like as, as the book, as the book came together, more and more, I guess, anthropomorphic elements sort of crept in. It was like, you know what, like they've got to have eyes because they've got to fucking emote. And you know what I mean? Like they, they've got to have a mouth. And if they have a mouth, they've got to have teeth. And that, which means that they can snarl, which means they can smile, which means that, you know, it, it, in other words, it would have taken away so many of our weapons as dramatists to not have aliens with at least access to those facial features. I mean, it was really and, and I kind of left it kind of going like, you know what, like I get Avatar now, like I know why he did that. <laughs> 
It's because, you know, you're expected to spend three hours with these dudes. You know, if they look like slugs, yeah, that's pretty alien, but you ain't going to care. <laughs> The and especially if it, if this is in a way, uh, kind of a you mentioned like alien. It's almost like an inversion of that in a way. Yeah. Um, we're gonna need to empathize with these characters to know. So when something bad happens to them, we feel something. If if somebody yeah. steps on the slug, like I've accidentally done that in the morning trying to get coffee. You know what I mean? Like, and I didn't blink, blink an eye. You know, but yeah. uh, having that for this book, that's that's where the like I want I want to like someone. I want to hate someone, and when they get their comeuppance, I want to like feel that. So having that yeah. in a kind of alien way uh, is is exciting, and and. Even in the first issue, I got to say, like, some of the characters, I'm like, oh, I, I feel for that character, even though I've never seen this race or alien or species before, you know. So I'm, I'm excited to see see where it goes. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. How uh, how did you and Casper come together on this? Like, I know you said you guys are your friends. You know, hmm. was it just a, just an email or were you hanging out at the <laughs> pub or? No, it, it was um... – it, it was really kind of serendipitous. Like, um, I mean, I initially, like I knew, I knew I wanted to do it at image and, uh, because, uh, the white noise, I'm, I'm in a writer's studio with Ram V, Ryan O'Sullivan and Dan Waters, and they've been hassling me for years to do an image book. Um, but I was always, you know, yeah, like you look, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, I was always kind of, I was always really kind of leery of doing it because, um, it's uh and by the way you know this is you know for a lot of people like this is the 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 holy grail right like it's 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 all on you you're you're extremely exposed um you know you have to you know you don't have to just write it you have to kind of like you know project manage it you have to market it etc 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 and that's as it should be and you know justifiably you then take the you know you reap the rewards you know um but uh I was a little bit leery of that um, just because like one, like I got a lot on and also like I got a family, right? Like I can't, uh, I, I gotta, I gotta try, you know, I gotta be trying to be like responsible. Right. Um, and I, I like, I don't know what my own profile in the industry is to the extent, you know, can this support a book like this? Um, so I ended up approaching uh, Chris Ryle who set up an, an imprint image called Syzygy. And um, he agreed to basically publish it through his imprint. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of the things that were kind of uh, a lot of the things that were making me hesitate were kind of taken away. So a lot of those impediments were taken away. So I was kind of free to do it. Uh, but initially we were looking around for artists and I did, you know, uh, I, I did what you're supposed to do. Right. Like I was looking for um because, uh, you know, a lot of the people I'm, I'm friends with a lot of artists in the industry, but schedules are invariably, you know, slammed until sort of mid 2024. If you're good, that's what happens to you. And rightly so. So I was looking on sort of DeviantArt, Behance, um, you know, places like that to try and find, uh, you know, a sort of an up and coming collaborator that, you know, I could maybe approach. And I reached out to Casper basically to help me kind of curate that list because, there are any number of people who can do beautiful pinups, but like the moment you, the moment you ask them to do sequentials, you know, sometimes 
limitations can become apparent, right? And if you're if you're if you've agreed to work on if you agree to work on an image book to a concrete schedule, like or schedule, sorry, like you you don't want to be in that position because it's a nightmare, right? Um, so what I did was I was actually going to Casper to ask him to basically look at people that I had found and just in order to get his view and just go, look, you know, do, do you think, do you think this person will, will do it? Do you think this person will be appropriate? And in order to do that, you know, he was like, well, okay, you got to tell me the genre, you know, cause you know, it's, it's, it's a movable feast, right? Like if you're asking me for, to do a horror book, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to recommend different people to you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I just ended up outlining the story to him. And over the course of like two weeks, he just started sending me like concept sketches, man. Um, and was like, do you mean doing this? I'm like, yeah, that'd be really fucking great. Do you mind if I use this? And he's like, well, yeah. Um, like, yeah, okay. And, and, you know, sending me these like incredible, just beautiful designs. And then like at the, at the end of two weeks, he was just, it was like, we were just on the phone. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing this, aren't I? <laughs> and I said, uh, I mean, if you want to, yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, like I think, like he he kind of uh, he talked himself into it. <laughs> he just, like, yeah. So, yeah, that's how it happened. And, and I gotta say, Casper's like, art is insane in this. Um, I mean, it's um, it's uh, I, I won't, I'm not going to say like it's uh, next level because yep. you know, I mean, anyone who's read Homesick Pilots. I think knows the caliber of the guy, but what I think is really interesting about this book is um, he has changed his style almost completely uh, to fit the content. Right. So, you know, like I said, I mean, I've, I've known Casper for as long as I've been working in comics. So like I've known Casper for the better part of 10 years and rightly or wrongly, I think he's always been considered like a clean line guy. Um, and what he's done in this book is he's uh, feathered up uh, his line work. So it looks almost kind of charcoal-y now, which is very appropriate because, you know, a lot of this stuff is like to do with like cave paintings and it's very kind of primal and everything. So we've got this really rough hewn line now. Um, and it's like I'm working with a completely different artist. You know, here's someone who was working on a book sort of, you know, three months ago and has become a functionally different artist, you know, in the interim, uh, and can do that from kind of book to book. I mean, um, he's astonishing. Um, and, and frankly, like, I mean, you know, Haas as well, you know, uh, 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 letterer. Uh, I mean, I know, you know, you'll know Haas from any number of other books, but you know, the first thing he did when he, uh, when he, when he took this book on was he adjusted his balloons and his captions so they have the same texture and line weight as Casper's lines themselves. Mm -hmm. So you have what I mean. I'm going to be. I'm going to butcher language for a second here, but I think like the lettering looks native to me in the sense that you know sometimes it like tails behind different characters and what have you, and sometimes you get like word balloons that are so rough they don't eat. They're not even. They're not even finished. There's like half of them are just free floating. It's just free floating text, and it looks really kind of handmade, and. Um, I think what that does is I think it really kind of elevates the composition because the lettering looks like it kind of belongs with the art. You know talent, what I mean? Like the talent. That, of that, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, 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 that they were kind of, that they were basically almost by the same hand, right? Like I know, I know people like Sean Phillips, like Sean Phillips 
letters directly onto his art and builds it into the art. But this to me, like this to me felt the same, you know, I think like Hass is so good, you know, that he can just, yeah, again, he, you know, he, he's, he's basically um, producing diegetic lettering without it being diegetic, if that makes sense. It feels like part of the art, you know, I can't, I can't imagine publishing these pages without his letters because as far as i'm concerned they are now part of the composition do you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I think because of that feathering you see it in the letters as well you're not you don't have that hard outline it, it feels that much more integrated because there's no there's no actual physical barrier between the the, the background and the the balloon it yeah. exists within it similar to your point on the 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 cave painting it, it's just it's there it's integrated yeah it, one of the other yeah, things with Casper's cool. work too is that it, it's he's doing the the coloring as well for it, I, yeah. I believe, right? Yeah. So, and that in and of itself is almost also an inversion of the traditional like space horror book because it's full of cool colors, pastel y kind of looks to it. Um, yeah. Which is like not what you expect from a, a, a horror, but let alone a space horror book. Um, but I love it. It's, 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 it's really kind of takes me into the book in a way that I didn't expect. And then when the, when the parts happen that are like the horror parts, it's even more of a shock because you're just not, uh, it's the coloring almost puts me at, at, at a, like an uneven setting for it. Um, that hmm. really gets me uh, surprised when something, you know, major happens in it. Oh, pardon me. Um, Bless you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, no. I mean, the the, the coloring, uh, the colors, I think, are very, very interesting, and and there there is a hard distinction between, you know, the the colors in the ship are much more vibrant than they are in the habitat, which is something that we kind of discussed earlier on because the idea is the habitat's rotting. Sorry, oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, bless you. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, here's hope. That's hoping that's not a prelude. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, uh, that, the, the idea that you, it always reminds me of like, you remember how, like in the matrix, you know, whenever you're in the matrix, there's, there's a green filter on the camera. And whenever you're in the real world, there's a blue filter on the camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, Casper's doing something like that with his palettes. I think, you know, between, you know, the time that you spend on the ship, which is a much kind of harder edge. There's a lot more kind of purples, a lot more blues, um, uh, versus you know when you're inside the habitat where everything looks kind of sickly washed out wan, you know that kind of thing everything's kind of ashen and dying the the vibrancy gets kind of sucked out a little bit to to make that distinction yeah yeah the um we we actually i mean not to not to take away from all against all but we did have a question in the the chat here um Kefis, one of our uh, uh, staunch supporters here uh, in the, in the Twitch chat, hey. um, actually wanted to bring up your work on on at DC with a DC. Um, what was his question here? Uh, how did uh, how did Alice get brought into DC versus uh, DC Vampires, and how much fun is it to write? Oh, uh, okay. So um, early this year. Um, I get a call from my buddy, Matt Rosenberg, who I've known for many, many years. Um, 
basically telling me that they're you know that his DC vampires DC versus vampires book has been successful enough mm-hmm. to warrant its own spin-off um and basically you know would would I like to kind of uh you know would I like to plot it with him and then you know write it based on that plot uh and I agreed and you know i wrote a a first draft of the first issue that was you know i thought uh very um doom laden uh extremely depressing uh (laughs) and kind of you know appropriate for the moment we're in um and then matt gently reminded me that you know maybe it should be fun so I went and rewrote it, and uh, it it ended up being really cathartic. Not because like I hate the DC universe, I do not. I love the I love the DC universe, but for the sheer kind of bloody mindedness of being able to go downstairs after a, you know a robust night's work and just go, you know what, I just murdered Jimmy Olsen, uh, and I'm not lying, uh, and then. Like, my wife's saying to me, like, why would you murder Jimmy Olsen? Like, because he wears a bow tie. I don't need any reason other than that. Let's just run with that. So, yeah, like, it, 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 you know, I don't get me wrong. You know, I worked, I worked super hard on it. I hope it was entertaining. But it was ultimately like an exercise in uh, inventive methods of dispatch for your for for your your faves. I love. How I was just like fuck, uh, uh, fuck Jimmy Olsen in particular. Yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like a lot of people do that. It's either it, there, there's no uh, there's no middle ground for Jimmy Olsen. It's like, do you love him, or you want to kill him off the first chance you have it ready? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, but it's funny because in, in a way, he's too the, thirsty, man. He's too thirsty. You got to be hungry. <laughs> Always be hungry. Never be thirsty. Uh. Well, in a way, vampires is its own body horror, you know, like, especially in, in, in visual media, you know, like, uh, the idea of a vampire. So it's, it's, it's weird how that is kind of following you in a, in a way. Uh, well, like, I mean, I'm, 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 I think like under the hood, I, I think I'm a horror guy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that gets pitched to me these days is horror, which is like fine by me. Um, you know, I did like some X Men Unlimited stuff that was mm. basically horror. Um, I mean, I, I would say uh, Red Fork, a uh, book I did with TKO, um, is probably the most kind of overt horror I've ever done. It's also, I mean, a lot of people think it's the best thing I've ever done. I say a lot of people, like some some people have said, have told me they think it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, and um but i I think like that 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 all comes back to like i'm I'm a huge horror guy but i mean it's it's much more kind of granular than that really like i think i'm not just a horror guy i'm very specifically a cronenberg guy and i'm very specifically a the fly guy (laughs) i'm the fly guy uh like that's that's absolutely my kind of uh pole star you know um if i write something 10 percent as affecting as that in my lifetime, I will die very happy. 
So, I mean, mentioning horror, I wanted to maybe see what you can say a little bit about uh, Red Goblin coming up in February, I believe, right? From from Marvel Comics? Yeah. Um, yeah. This is with um, uh, 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 Jen, uh, let me see if I'm pronouncing this, uh, Jan Balzadua uh, on art as well. Jan Balzadua, yeah. Yes, thank um, you, thank you. Yeah, uh, okay, so, uh, I, yeah, so... In February, I'm beginning a ongoing Red Goblin series, which has got sort of half a foot in the symbiote side of the Marvel Universe and half a foot in the Spider-Man side of the Marvel Universe. Um, and it's the reason for that is it's um, it's a symbiote book, but it's uh, it's Normie Osborn. It's the grandson of Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. Um, and uh, without giving too much away, like he has, he has his own symbiote. It's maybe not what you're expecting, um, and uh, he's kind of trying to. He's trying, you know. The I, I don't mind saying this. Uh, he's doing his. You know, he, he's well aware of his family legacy, right? And he's basically trying to do it another way. Um, and that's great. Uh, and that's commendable. Uh, but, you know, maybe don't do it with uh, uh, a sadistic murder parasite in your back pocket. Uh, <laughs> there are there are like better vehicles to try and be a superhero with. Uh, and a lot of the horror comes from that. A lot of the humor comes from that. And not to put too fine a point on it like i'm i'm really i'm trying to pull out I'm, I'm using every trick i have in my arsenal like i also want it to be <coughs> um moving frankly like i mean i, I went into this you know i know like uh, um, people have strong feelings about red goblin like either way you know i think it's a very kind of polarizing character yeah. and so what i went into this the brief that i the brief that i gave myself was I'm going to do a Red Goblin story that's going to make you cry. So uh, let's let's see if I can do that. It's wild that we're at an age where there's going to be a Gen Z goblin <laughs> just haunting the skies, a, 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 a TikTok kid with a goblin glider. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, except... <laughs> I don't know what any of those things are, so <laughs> they probably won't be in the book. Uh, no, no. I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting, right? Because um, you know there were a lot of discussions about um, Normie's age, right? Yeah. Uh, because I mean, Marvel time is such a kind of it's such a sliding scale and such a movable feast that you can almost kind of go, well, hang on, okay, if we if we if we're going by this, then he's like five but it explicitly says over here that he's like in double digits. Um, and I definitely, I said before I went in, like I said, like I need him in double digits, right? Like I need him, I need him in middle school because I'm not good enough to ventriloquize a true child. You know yep. what I mean? Like yep. that, that, that to my mind is like alchemy, you know, like I can't think like a seven year old. 
I, I can think like an 11 year old because I basically haven't grown up, but like, <laughs> you know, the resent, but, but that idea that like, you're just, a, I wanted to catch him at that kind of Holden, almost like a Holden Coalfield kind of age, like where you're just starting to realize something's wrong. Mm. Uh, like I thought, okay, like that's the age where I want him, where he's, he's just old enough to know that like his family is completely messed up. Um, and, you know, but yet he's still kind of come into this um, insane, overpowered legacy and what he does with that. And I, th- I think, like, it's going to be a lot of fun. But, like, yeah, like, I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be, like, I, I uh, you know, I, I have a bit more humility than that. I, I, I hope that it's also, like, a very kind of rich, like, emotional journey as well. Looking yeah. forward to it. Um <laughs> that genuinely that sounded you know uh radio move on presenter or whatever but i i am genuinely looking forward to it <laughs> that's the most uh, excitement you'll get out of kale so like that, that yeah sorry yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah uh you we were talking about horror just a second ago i'm interested to hear your your sort of opinion on sort of the the boom in horror in comics recently with stuff like the the silver coin and James Tinian's uh, razor blades and the you know the millions of different horror books yeah. what uh, what do you feel is like the the um i don't know the the cause or the the you know why are we so into horror in comics right now um ultimately i think it's about um control um, I mean, I think this speaks to culture more generally. Um, I think horror always seems to undergo a renaissance in sort of times of, of, of sort of civil strife and uh, instability uh, because you're sort of providing people with kind of these bounded universes that have resolutions uh, but I think they also they also speak to I, like uh, love, whatever. Like no, fear is the primal emotion, um, and I think we are because I don't think it's just horror. By the way, I don't think it's just horror that's undergoing a renaissance. I think it's specifically folk horror in all sorts of ways, right? But like it's. It, it, but what what does folk horror always address, right? What are you looking at when you see something like Midsummer or um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, or um, Hereditary or American Wealth in London or you know these are all um, uh, you know secrets uh, suppressed suppressed id forcing its way back. Um, and I would certainly contend that uh, socially, economically, culturally, politically, where we are now, uh, the, 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 the terrifying past that we find ourselves is a result of the, if you like, the suppression of things that we thought we had kind of outgrown. Right. And, and it's interesting. Like if, if you look at something like Dan Harmon's uh, story circle, 
Um, you know, one of the things he says in his sort of introduction is that, you know, the way you can sort of divide story, you, you know, it, strictly speaking, it's in eight. But um, if you divide it in half, the first half of the story always takes place in the conscious world. But in order for a protagonist to achieve their goal, they have to descend into their own unconscious, right? They have to descend into the subconscious uh, in order to kind of confront their real need, right? Like their real desire. Um, and that's when they enter the kind of special world and then they kind of come back out the other side again and sort of return to the conscious world with a prize from the unconscious. But the point that he makes is that, you know, cultures do this, right? Like cultures, if they don't go into the basement, if they don't open the, the trap door to the basement and kind of sort of let the, the slimy monsters kind of, you know, crawl around, if they try and suppress them, they have a tendency to sort of erupt violently. Um, and that's kind of where we are, right? Like that's kind of where we are in the West is that all of these kind of ugly tendencies that we've kind of pretended haven't existed for, you know, 75 years are erupting. Um, and it's because we pretended they weren't there. Um, and that I think is the sort of sine qua non of folk horror right all folk horror sort of revolves around this central idea of like here's this thing that you thought fucked off like you know hundreds of years ago but oh no it's still there you know whether it's a monster or a, a, some sort of ritual like the wicker man you know it's it's always that thing of this thing that you thought was buried isn't uh and so i think if if you have a view and i certainly do that culture is a way of us telling each other things that we're not prepared to say openly i would say that speaks more to the kind of contemporary horror renaissance than anything else uh, and i don't think it's just confined to comics i think it's why like a a24 is doing great guns at the moment i think it's just that it's like we are we're living through a time that you know is difficult to kind of make sense of but once you sort of look at it, once you view it through a glass darkly, once you through it, view it through that kind of horror prism, you kind of start to see it right. I'm going to have to listen to an episode of the Comics Pals to get all that again. Sorry. <laughs> so mad. What a great answer. Frick. <laughs> all right. You wanted, you wanted like a, uh, a quick, a quick two sentence one, Kale? No, 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 no. Sorry, right. dude. No, 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 please. This is this is this is what we want. The, <laughs> the worst is when uh, someone comes on the show and then they just do yes or no's. Um, yeah. Uh, this is this is this is the content. This is content. This is this is what we love. So we appreciate it. No rule. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, so I'm sniffing. By the way, like I think I, I think I'm I think I'm developing a cold as we do the show. It's quite tremendous. It's happening. It's happening in real time. I, I thought it was a bit to play on the whole body horror aspect of things no. we've been talking about. <laughs> so to uh, to go back to all in all, you uh, you know you say it's all. it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's all against all. Sorry, yeah. uh, you you said it's you know it's Tarzan meets Alien, and then it's you know it's Alien flipped on its head. How would you? Uh, describe the soundtrack and would you describe it as phil collins inside out <laughs> um you know what i mean i'm thinking actually sort of Col yeah collins era genesis certainly but i wouldn't say collins era solo 
Interesting. Um, okay. I think, no, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's really ready for, uh, I guess, undiluted, like, uh, you know, no, no one's ready for, like, Phil Unbound. You know what I mean? I think when he sort of sublimated into a group dynamic, I think yeah. the kind of artistry of Collins is allowed to, you know what I mean? I think he plays very, very well with others. I think he's a very kind of generous I mean, he's a very generous musician, but I also think he's probably a very generous lover. Uh, I've sure. always had that. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I've always yeah. had that. About him. I, I think, but I think that's something that's kind of, I think that's common to sort of drummers in general. You know what I mean? I just always think, I, just think, I always look at them, I think these are considerate people, you know, because they're all there at the back. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. I think that's the most Kale question we've ever had on the show, Kale. Yeah. You think? I think I so. Yeah. Yeah, it's up there. All right, we always we always wrap with one last thing, um, and that is, Alex. Is there anything that you would want to tell our audience that you know you don't normally get to say? You don't normally you know get out there. Uh, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to put your put your message out with our platform. Oh, thanks very much. Um... It's a, you, you know what? Like, I, I think I'm a fairly open book. Um, I feel like I've sort of promoted the hell out of myself and it would be somewhat like meretricious to kind of use this space to do that again. So I yeah. suppose in summary, I'm going to say the thing that I said to you, which is um, everyone, everyone who wants to write and everyone who wants to write comics, everyone who wants to write movies, whatever, everyone needs to get a copy of Into the Woods by John York. Uh, it, w- it had an absolutely sort of transformative effect on my storytelling. Uh, I don't know. I'm not alone. Yeah. Uh, but basically everyone I've, re- everyone I've recommended this book to, man, uh, they have uh, they have uh, taken wing. Uh, I-, I-, I wouldn't say I kind of abide by all of its lessons, but it, like, it-, it really is just the most kind of thoroughgoing um, and accessible uh sort of this yeah. sort of forensic deconstruction of story and i think like everyone should read it and even if you don't write like it, it it's it's just great it's you you see how it's not just how stories are put together but like how narrative is put together you know uh it, it just you know which which in a, in a in a weird sense is kind of how the world is constructed right so yeah into the woods by john york I, that is also I co-endorse that. That is highly recommended. Cool. Well, Alex, thank you for coming on. I think we've already sold a couple people in, in the in the Twitch chat at least to, to yep. pick up uh, this book once it comes out on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, oh. all against all, Alex Backendell, Casper Wing, uh, Wingard. Am I saying that right? I think so. Yeah, Wing, yeah, Wing, yeah. yeah, Wingard. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, I appreciate that. Coming out uh, Wednesday, uh, December seventh, in your local comic shop or your digital reader, wherever that may be. Uh, we have a spawn cover. We have a spawn cover. Oh, I've I've seen it. Oh, I didn't put that on the thing, but uh, yeah. oh, you have yeah, it in hand. Like, it's 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 very exciting. We have a spawn cover. I promise. Look, Those, yeah, it's, it's spawn. It's spawn. It's nice. Oh, that's awesome. Oof. Spawn in pastel is not something I'd ever thought I'd say, um, but uh, <laughs> I, it's it's good. It works. The whole spawn uh, initiative cover. They're doing it at DC too, which is bonkers. Um, it's real cool. It's weird. Like, it, there's bound to be like one store, right? Like, there's there's going to be one store where like you're going to go in, 
and they're going to put all the all the spawn covers out cover for like the spawn variants uh-huh. are going to be kind of you know and you're just going to get like a wall of spawn it's absolutely incredible in the year 2022 we're going to have a, a wall of spawn yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no, leave it to McFarland. It, like, it, it's so weird isn't it man like that book is like low-key like a juggernaut mm-hmm. yeah um like I like I got buddy like Rory McConville's like a good friend of mine. Uh you know. Uh, no, but but it's like I remember when he got the gig and I was like, Oh, you're working on like the biggest book on the planet, basically. And he's kind of like, Yeah. <laughs> Could have given me a heads up. <laughs> so Thanks I can for mentioning speculate. spawn too. Yeah. Yeah, that means we yeah. can we can put in a, a spawn uh for uh, SEO now, which really helps us out anytime oh, we have yes. we mentioned spawn. So thank you. I didn't have to put it in anywhere <laughs> later. So that's where the, the the marketing comes into play, I guess. So you didn't even uh-huh. realize you were doing it. So thank you, Alex. Though um, uh, for pleasure. your view for viewers and listeners, uh, we're gonna go on a quick break. Just kind of recap with Alex, and then we'll, we'll be back for some of uh, the news this week, including the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three trailer. So if you haven't watched that, watch it while we uh, we recap. So yeah, be back soon, guys. Hello, we're back. Hello, howdy, howdy. You're a howdy yeah. guy, Marco. Howdy. I am. I, I'm, I'm a howdy guy because uh, a former coworker was from Texas, um, not Kale, uh, another oh. coworker, and oh. uh, yeah, and and he would say y'all, which is why I say y'all now, and he would mm. say howdy, uh, so I, it it got stuck in me. I'm a, I'm a y'all act, guys person. Y'all act like I've never said y'all. You have. You have. Oh, you say to, y'all. To, to be. You have. You're you're a y'all guy. Marco yeah, just doesn't yeah. look like a howdy fella. Yeah, but then you but then you flew out to. You know, New Zealand and shit, so like it didn't stick as much. What does that mean? <laughs> Flew out to he lived there. <laughs> like I still got the y'all in me. Yeah, he wasn't there for a quick jaunt in, in uh it's not even down under at that point. It's down to the side. Um yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what they call it over there. It's Hobbiton, you know. Did you wear you don't down have to wear the, shoes there, the... right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Tyler. Um they go everywhere back uh barefoot. I almost said backwards. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the toilets, the toilets go backwards there. Per- that's per- right, per- and that's questions. true because you're on the southern hemisphere. Yeah, I don't. Is that true? Yeah. It is true. It is true. I'm gonna take your word for it. I was listening it to is. a podcast the other day, and they were like disputing that. Um, but Absolutely. as someone who lived there, I'm gonna believe you before, uh, above them. So yeah, you should. Cool. Uh, but you know who we also should believe in? Alex no, Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Alex. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. This part. Um, great discussion there. Um, definitely check out All Against All. Um, it's 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 fun. If you like, it, if you like a sci-fi book, yeah. Y'all, it's cool. It, it's yeah. good looking. It's a uh, hard recommend on that. If the cover and the art were any indication of what you saw on the stream, uh, if that even piqued your interest in the most smallest way, um, trust me. Uh, it continues in the book, so go yeah. for it. Um, but I want to talk to to the listeners, the the the, the pals here, um, with uh, not really a question. This wasn't really a question, but in our Discord, uh, I think Kefis was mentioning a couple things here, um, and in one of Kefis's comments, actually sparked a question that I wanted to give you guys. So uh, I think they were talking about Batman and and you know Duke and stuff like that, and Kefis mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, I'm a huge Bat Family fan, and introducing new characters that stick is very difficult. See, Duke, Punchline, Harper Row, but between Batman the Knight and the new Batman Incorporated, I'm really liking Ghostmaker, um, which I agree, Ghostmaker is a fantastic character, and I really like him too. 
Uh, but from there, I actually want to ask you guys a question. Are there any newly created characters that are kind of sticking with you in the big two? Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, John Kent. Fair. I don't know, you know, how yeah. new you would consider him at this point, but I I like him a lot. Fr- frankly, I wish he was still a kid. Me too, um, yeah. But I I really I I really love the idea of Superman as a dad and and you know the the young Superman having to come into his own. Um I think that is tremendous uh for uh, a, a a character a, a long-running character in this age and and frankly I think that's why the Robin the Robins are so successful because with each iteration you've kind of gotten to see them grow into their own thing I think for me I guess almost you know uh parallel to that except in the Marvel universe um turns out if you make uh, a character I don't care much for a dad I usually like the character more and I like the son more so with Eddie Brock giving him a son um mm. Dylan Dylan Brock is great I think it's a great character seeing him as like a younger version of Venom without um as much as the baggage uh both emotionally and uh continuity baggage that Eddie Brock has um is really interesting to see where that's going uh in in, in and Al, Al Ewing's uh Venom series right now Speaking of Ron B, for me, it's um, Levi Kamei uh, from the Swamp Thing. It's sure. the character has been Alec Holland for years, decades at this point. And so it felt fresh. It sort of revitalized the character for me and um, hopefully it got people interested in looking back into some of the history, especially with stuff like Tefe um, when Alec did pop up in it. And so uh, I like the character. I like the characterization. And it's a fun book. So for me, I hope to see... Maybe that he's not the next flag bearer for this continually, but for him to be included now in the DC universe, I thought was um, very interesting. So, Cale uh, mentioned the his love for for John Kent. Well, to get into our news, let's talk a little bit about John Kent and uh, his dad, Kal-El. So, um, most notably, uh, within the past couple years. Uh, Superman kind of dropped secret identity. It was a big deal on Bendis' run. You know, everyone knows Clark Kent is Superman. Um, therefore, they know John Kent is also Superman. Um, coming up in the new action comics, what, what is this new u- universe initiative called? The DC, I forget what it's called. But action comics, Dawn, Dawn. Uh, Dawn, Dawn of the Dawn of the DC. Yes, with that, yeah. Um, Philip Kennedy Johnson and uh, a couple other people are. In a way, um, getting rid of that. They're putting, they're putting that, that ship back in the bottle, or is the genie back in the bottle? I forget what the term is. It's probably the genie. That makes more sense as I'm saying it. Um, yeah, so they're getting their secret identities back, which is interesting, um, especially with, you know, John Kent and um, having, you know, a, a boyfriend now. You know, like, how do you put that genie back in the bottle? What are the, what are the, uh, the complications there? And we don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but it looks like it's not going to be their their choice. So somehow this is going to be forced upon them, um, which is a very interesting wrinkle. Do, do you guys have any opinion on, I guess, A, this happening in the first place? I'm sure you guys talked about it when it happened. Um, or, or, or B, them kind of reversing this decision. Uh, sorry. The 
their identities are the only things that are being retconned or whatever. Yeah, right? Is yeah. That what Clark Kent okay, yeah. will now not be known as Superman in some way. Uh, we don't know the full details yet, but I'm sure we'll get to it on Palace Polls because we're we're liking these right. books so far. Right. Okay. I don't know. Is sort of inevitable, really. Frankly, I'm I'm a little surprised it's coming so soon, mm. but also not like. <laughs> I, I guess I'm I'm surprised it's coming so soon after Bendis's departure. Hmm. It's almost like as soon as he's out the door, they're like, "All right, uh, put our toys back." Uh, we, yeah. yeah, we get we gave him what he wanted. Let's uh, let's fix it now. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't. I feel like I don't know enough to really care in the sense that <laughs> this this is a new introduction for me, and so this is now like baseline. Oh, okay. Right. So because this is now baseline, this is just my knowledge moving forward of the character. So if they were to make a change down the road and people would be like, oh, we're reverting back or we're doing whatever. And I would be upset because I'm like, well, hold on a second. I kind of got to know John as this, but Jonathan Kent is this and Superman now in this role. Like this is this is my entryway now into some of the Superman stuff, in particular because of uh, Kenny Johnson. And so I would be. Uh, Maybe not upset, but I'd be hesitant to then in follow the series. So I'm like, oh, all right, they're doing some stuff that I'm not familiar with, but everyone else is probably going to be excited for. I mean, for me, like the the whole idea of, of Clark Kent and Superman being separate people in a way is kind of core to the character. Yeah. Um, which yeah. kind of really cements the fact that, they, uh, all right, we're going to go back to who, who Superman um, is as a person. Um, and kind of getting back to the core values of it, which is something we've been hearing about happening in the in the in the film side of things as well. So it just seems like a a synergistic way of really putting Superman at a baseline, being like, oh, here's who he is as the archetype, as the 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 icon that is Superman. Let's start from there and build from there, um, which I'm I'm okay with. I think the whole idea of, of Clark Kent losing um, his anonymity. Uh, you lose out on a lot, you know, you lose out on, you know, goofy Superman because Clark Kent then doesn't have to be this slouching buffoon. Yeah. Mm, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it's I'm bumbling anymore. Yeah. There's a key element that's lost without that. Um, it's that's the whole premise of all-star Superman is that you, you can't tell he puts on, he takes off his glasses and he changes his sort of body yeah. position. And all of a sudden that's Superman. As you say that I need to do a, a, a posture. Yeah. Check, yes. yes so. Same, same. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this I, is I, my I, natural posture. So I yeah, can't. yeah, that's not changing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they do this, but I mean, it's freaking comic books. You figure out a way. I mean, look how they did it with with Daredevil. Uh, it was the most Spider Man or Flash yeah. or. Well, let's let's hope it's. Not, I don't do it the Spider Man way. I don't need I don't need uh, Clark Kent having a deal with Trigon or something like that. You know. Sure, can't. Magic. But uh, yeah, so that'll that'll be happening in the new year, with some you know some weird comic bookiness to to give Superman a secret identity back. But uh, let's also talk about some more Superman-ish stuff, uh, but this time in the film side of things. So uh, the the Feige of the DC Universe now, the, on the creative side, James Gunn, uh, recently, uh, he's he's been teasing a lot on his Twitter. This yep. dude likes likes to tease. This, this guy is such a tease. Um, such a tease. But he posted a the Alex Ross uh, multi-cover uh, Kingdom Come cover. With the, mm. the caption, making plans. So this has led to a lot of people to speculate, all right, this is mean, you know, 
Does this mean full-on adaptation that he's teasing? What does this mean? Let's read the tea leaves here. Um, seeing this image and knowing it's in relation to something happening on the film side of things, does this do anything for you guys? Whether it's like, oh, you know, would you want to see a kingdom come? This the idea of that kind of feeling that kingdom come gives uh, something you want to see on the film side of things. So I immediately thought, well, how does this play into their 10-year plan? Because this is sort of an Elseworlds-type story, mm. and sure. it doesn't fit into a... It doesn't cleanly fit into the continuity of the era, of the time period that it was being published. And so that, to me, confuses me a little bit because then we have to consider that if this is going to be an integrated universe, how are we getting here? This this looks like a lot of people to pull from uh, just to get some of these characters in place and prop them up and sure we have you know uh shazam and we have superman batman but they're all aged this is this just feels different if this gets translated into a film i'm fucking seeing like i'm excited for that that's cool this is a, a great story great concept and i think you can hit a lot of emotional beats and be a bit nuanced with the character developments and uh, some of the 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 interactions between those characters but I then question how the strategy plays into this. So I'd be excited, but I worry if this affects the larger structure that James Gunn and uh, Saffron want to put together. So you, you're, you're viewing it as, as like, oh, this could be a tease on an actual adaptation in a way. Yeah, this could be a tease on an adaptation. But if it's an adaptation, then I don't know how this integrates into their plan. Doesn't, it doesn't math for me. Hmm. Kelly, you're going to say something. I think it's just a picture of DC characters making plans. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it's that, that, I don't think it's think anything. It yeah, yeah. I I agree. I think it's more of like all right, I need, uh, James Gunn googling uh, uh, DC making plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My man's just excited to be there, and he wants to remind sure. everybody all the time, dude. I work at DC. <laughs> But but I think it's also I think it is indicative of at least some some things that like this dude knows what Kingdom Come is like he knows the the feeling that this has Does I don't he? think it, I guarantee you James Gunn knows I mean Kingdom Come. I mean that's the the point of this art is that it's literally like the emotion of they're making plans like you could feel that in there the intensity of it like again it's a Google search but Kale this is content so let's wildly speculate. Um, so, uh, I think, I mean, like if we, if we really want to dig into it, no, I don't think there's going to be adaptation. I don't think you can adapt, adapt kingdom come. Um, not only do I think you cannot adapt it, uh, just in terms of like the groundwork isn't laid. Um, it is a wildly big story and I don't think it works in film. Uh, I think it might work on like one of those like DC animated ones, which they might've even done it already for all I know. I don't keep up with those. Um, I don't think so. I will say Armored Batman is coming as a McFarlane action figure, which looks very good. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I think I think the good thing here, like it's like it, it's it's both the old guard and the new and the new guard in this in this photo as well of the DC universe. Yeah. Um, so may, maybe if James Gunn really is, you know, he's not just doing a Google search and it, there's more meaning behind it. Maybe that's an indication. Like I also just got an alert on my phone that the first teaser poster for Blue Beetle uh, just got released. Um, which is not in the slides, but you guys can Google that if you will. It's just the scarab, and it says only in theaters uh, uh, 2023. 
Um, but like that's that's the new guard there, you know. And then you know with the the rumors of them really stressing Superman as the the, the focal point, that's what he is in this photo. Mm. So or photo, or rather the this cover. Um, so I think that's that could we could also read into that maybe as you know like oh yeah we want Superman to kind of be the center of this, uh, which in my opinion, is what you need for a good DC film universe, honestly. Hmm. Like leading with Superman and with I think that. you have to. Everyone, they've always wanted to lean in with Batman, and I don't think that works for a universe. Yeah, yeah. It's too grimdark, especially if they take it that way. And I think one of the things that we, when we did the, was it Superman 1070 review or something? Um, sure, that, numbers don't mean anything to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, issue of just this positive feeling coming out of it of this 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 is a superman that cares for somebody who's trapped in the car and says you know you're doing a great job and i'm here to help but you're the one that's doing a great job and uh yeah. that in uh, in these dark times dude yeah um you, I'm you mean board. irl dark times irl dark times yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you know what? I could use a, I, I could use the comforting pat of a of a of a Superman hand on my shoulder. Marco, open your window. Just get some of that vitamin D in. You, I don't want the seasonal affective disorder to, to be messing you up. Oh wait, That's it's shitty outside. Late. There's nothing. Too late. <laughs> um, no, and like I, I feel like the, the their their complete uh, um, I guess urge to lead with Batman, especially with Snyder stuff. You know, with fucking you know Ben Affleck really kind of taking the thunder away from Henry Cavill in a way. Mm. Um, Batman works in DC because he's a foil to everything else in DC. Um, there's a reason why Gotham kind of sits outside of things. Uh, and I think, I think they need to realize that Superman is DC and Batman's the foil to that, really. And that's why it works so well, um, rather than it being Batman that's the center of DC. So, um, also, like, Superman's one of the most iconic characters in the world throughout, you know, in, in modern time. So, fucking make him that. Uh, which is kind of what I hope they do with this. Do you like Kingdom Come, Cal? I feel like that's a that's a you book. I love Kingdom Come. Yeah, yeah. Did a book club. One of my one of my earliest loves. Yeah, yeah. I only read it um, for the long box. I think that was my first time. That was only like, you know, yeah three years ago. Yeah, which uh-huh. is wild. I'm a big uh, Wade, right? That's Mark Wade. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So let's let's leave DC. You guys cool leaving DC? Quickly, uh, yeah. that Blue Beetle poster is pretty cool. Uh, even though they used the the font from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume uh, Volume One with that uh, the 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 date, the year. Sorry, it's a font. It's Who cares? Font. It's a good bug. It's a good bug on there. It's a good bug. Good scare. Which, which, if they're doing a teaser tra- uh, teaser poster, that must mean we're probably getting a trailer soon. Soon, right? Yeah. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Any other big WB stuff coming out? No, not, not, not until Shazam, I think, in whenever they delayed it to. I guarantee we have a trailer by then, especially if this comes out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's um, let's transfer over to the Marvel side of things in something that I wish Sean was here to talk about. Becky Lynch. You guys familiar with Becky Lynch, WWE superstar Becky Lynch? Well, of course. Who isn't? Heard the name. The fact that you've heard the name is big, though, because you're not wrestling ain't your thing. 
Well, I mean, I've been on a on this podcast with people who uh, like wrestling enough. for fair all, what almost ten years now. Like, <laughs> that's true. So, so Fightful Select, a wrestling uh, dirt sheet, uh, you know, uh, account, um, has come out with the fact that Becky Lynch actually was a cast in a Marvel role, filmed for the Marvel role, um, but it was cut. So this is actually uh, supposed to be a post credit scene. Um, in at the end of Eternals, opposite Harry Styles, um, mm. which is mm. pretty interesting. But uh, they uh, they it was too dark for the film, and they cut it. Um, I have no idea what this could have been. So uh, Marco, for 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 instance, she is a she's Irish, so she has a Irish accent. She can mm-hmm. act though. She was recently in the Young Rock show. She played uh, Cindy Lauper, um, which surprisingly Word. very good Cindy Lauper uh, uh, voice huh. it was really surprising um, but she's one of those 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 you know wrestlers right now that's kind of you know jumping out of just wrestling you know like like the the rock and Cena big you know big superstars at this point not even WWE superstars I would consider them film superstars um, but she is one of those big people so seeing her kind of expand outside of that is interesting we also found out that another wrestler for the wwe damian priest puerto rican guy from from uh, i believe uh new york marco um priest. he read for no more actually wow so it, it seems that disney is courting a lot of these wrestlers for for movie roles i mean none of them sticking yet but uh, but apparently at least uh having someone with a big personality and physicality makes for good comic book uh, acting. Apparently. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. to. I have to imagine the physicality. Yeah, goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we've seen the incredible transformation of Chris Pratt and um, Kumail Nanjiani. Um, but I, you know, I would imagine people who already have that are worth their weight in gold to a certain degree. You know. Sure. And especially and like it. Batista was a wrestler. Yeah. yeah? Yep. Yeah. yeah exactly. There we go. That, that, that works already too. Yeah. So I'm interested to see. I, I can't think of who she could have been. No. So opposite Harry Styles, who plays Arrows slash Star Fox, and I guess mm-hmm. Pip was there too. Yeah. Uh, that was, was too wasn't dark. Was that Patton Oswalt? It was. Yeah. 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 Could she have been? If it's too dark, could she have been Death? But like that doesn't read her to me there's no physicality involved with death yeah it's just like a corporeal um, being huh i thought like when, yeah, when it was, they first mentioned it was a post-credit scene i thought all right maybe she was in the blade post-credit scene with you know with with you know blade um and maybe she was the original elsa bloodstone before they Ooh. recast for world by night like that seems more accurate to me sure. um mm. but uh, opposite Harry Styles, that's sort yeah. Of, she'd have yeah. to be somebody cosmic. Exactly. Yep. Moon Dragon. You're not gonna make this wonderful uh, ginger bald. Come on. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Philavel. Options. We're gonna go options. There? See, but that's that's a a, a Captain Marvel. Uh, I feel like it's more of a Guardians character to introduce, introduce but. Uh, I don't got Feige well, brain, so. I mean, uh, Captain Marvel would be cosmic as well, like with stuff coming out of Miss Marvel. I think. Yeah, and the Marvel is. Yeah, yeah, that works. What if she was the Brood Queen? <laughs> like it was just all CG. There was no. <laughs> <laughs> just voice. 
Yeah, just voice. Uh, what if Lalandra, maybe? They got the rights to that, you know. Oh, do they really? What if they introduced Star Jammers and she played a gender bent chode? Oh, okay. A gender bent well. chode? It's not where I was going to go, but, you know, I don't hate it. <laughs> Are you going to go Hepziba, the, uh, the OG space cat girl? No, you said um, gender bent, and I was thinking of um, uh, Cyclops' dad. Corsair. Oh, Girl, Corsair. Cyclops is Corsair. Mom, yeah. Ooh, Ooh, that'd be cool. That fits. That fits. Lady Space Pirate. Yeah. Write yeah. that. Jesus. Yeah. Step what? on me. I'm gonna let that one sit for a bit. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yep. listen, listen. He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right. Coast. Uh, you know what? A triple signed. There we go. Uh, says. Right? Uh, Kefis says, uh, yeah. <laughs> Kefis says, shit, she looked like she'd make an awesome Elsa Bloodstone. Mm-hmm. N- not to put shade on, uh, oh, who's the actress playing Elsa? And, and spoiler alert, uh, Werewolf by Night. Um, I thought she was good. I thought I, she was I a heard your coffee there, Kale. <laughs> Scared the fool out of me. <laughs> oh, uh, Laura, Laura Donnelly. Yes, yes, who was in that uh, that HBO Max uh, magic show sort of thing that was pretty good. The Game and Joint? Great. I don't know. I don't know. The Nevers? The Nevers. Yeah, thank you, Marco, for doing my job for me. Appreciate Got it. Got you, baby. Got you. Thank you. Um, but, you know, it, it was kind of a slow week. Uh, thanks, for Alex, for picking this week uh, with us. It actually worked out because uh, there's not much going on this week. Who would have thought uh, the week after Thanksgiving would be kind of slow? But Marvel did give us a little treat by the end of the week. So at the um, uh, Brazilian Comic-Con, I believe it is, uh, Marvel had a panel there. They talked about a couple things. Feige was there. Not as big as their, um, you know, San Diego Comic-Con stuff. But they did give us our first first footage of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Nice poster and a trailer that was uh, given to us. I, what? I, I saw hmm. I saw a lot of the conversation around this trailer was that it's darker that it's it looks it's like it like an yep. end and um I don't know that I got that necessarily like it's How definitely did you not get that <laughs> well it's it, it shifted in tone that it's less goofy it's less bright and I think that's fine but I didn't get the like death and end of an yeah. era type thing because uh, they, I feel like they're probably going to need some of these characters to continue to fill out the cosmic part of Marvel. Oh, I mean, guaranteed. You know, they're not introducing Adam Warlock. I mean, spoiler alert for the trailer, we get our first look at Adam Warlock. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're not introducing him for a one and done. Like, the, I, I don't, I don't believe in one and dones for Marvel anymore, outside of villains, really. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like there is. A punctuation on Guardians of the Galaxy, even in this trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this feels like, sure. if not the end, the end of this era. Um, it, okay. It, it, yeah. There's a lot of people screaming in pain in this trailer. There's not as many jokes as we normally get from a a MCU trailer, and b definitely a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Um, it's interesting, especially with where thematically the team has been going. The whole idea mm-hmm. of the team really has been family and found family. And, you know, the the Christmas special, uh, spoiler for, for the 45-minute Christmas special, uh, but we we get we learn that Mantis is actually Star-Lord's sister. 
Um, what? I haven't watched it yet. His dad's ego. I mean, you could have put the pieces together. Apparently, it was supposed to be in Guardians Volume 2, but it was cut as a plot point. Um, huh. But ego's the dad of uh, Mantis, which we kind of got allusions to in the movie, uh, but also Peter's dad. So he's probably got a lot of sisters and siblings out there. That dude, that ego was so in seed out there. So mm-hmm. he's fucking, he's not the whole biggest reveal, but it is nice to kind of see actual family in a, in a story about found family. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little dark here. We're, we're getting what looks to be rockets intro uh, origin. We get a little baby yeah. rocket in this. Yeah. And I think by proxy, we're also going to see Rocket's death. Really? You think, well, you're oh, going to go that far? That's what I think, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. It does feel uh, like something bad is going to happen, though. It does. Uh, and I think it's going to be Groot again. And no, he's... Groot's going to be the only one that stays. That's yeah? the only one that yeah. you can keep going for years and years and years. Yeah. It's all CG. Yeah. It's one, uh, no offense to Vin Diesel, you can recast Groot. Yep. Sure. Yeah, okay. My bet is Groot and, boy, I think it's a toss-up. Groot, Mantis, and it's a toss-up between Gamora and Nebula. Who are As remaining on staying? the team. Yeah. Oh, we're doing a death pool? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. I think okay. everybody but those three and a half are going to die. Interesting. Okay, here's I'm, I'm guessing leave. our team by the end of this is going to be Cosmo. Cosmo's safe. It's a dog. You're keeping the dog. Cosmo's There's safe. a dog there? In, the, in, in the poster, yeah. Cosmo's part of the team now. Uh, played uh, thought... by the, the woman who played uh, Borat's daughter in the second Borat movie. Is Cosmo the like the interdimensional like swallowing dog or whatever? No, no. That's... Marvel? Uh, no, you're thinking of a mixture between uh, Goose and uh, Lockjaw. Hmm, okay. Uh, Cosmo is just a Russian space dog that was sent into space and got hit by cosmic rays and has telekinesis and can talk through telekinesis. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun character. And who's been there yeah. since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, so um, we're just now getting character development. Mm. Well, that that thing will stay on the team then, too. Right. Yeah. Cosmo safe. I think Rocket and Groot are safe because uh, 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 merch. <laughs> the, I, 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 I don't think you can get rid of Rocket. It's think. I think the reason we're getting this big, uh, this big emotional thing is because they're going to get rid of Rocket. Really? I mean, yeah. I'm excited to get Rocket's origin. Like honestly, Rocket has not had character growth outside of honestly. Agreed. I would say Endgame. Really. Rocket being the only one alive with Nebula, like yeah. those two needed mm-hmm. that and they got that mm-hmm. in that. But seeing more um, development is is exciting for me, honestly. I mean, even though it might be super heartbreaking, especially when we get into like the high evolutionary being in this, there's going to be definitely animal experimentation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, vegans either going to love or hate this movie. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I personally think Rocket's safe. I think Rocket is being groomed. Ooh, buzzword. Um, to be the leader of the team going forward because Star Lord's out, he's done. Yeah, I, I think he becomes that Nintendo either... money now. <laughs> Yahoo! That's my impression of Chris <laughs> Pratt's Mario. Um, I think I don't think he gets killed. I think he becomes like a cosmic being. Honestly, he gets he gets the opposite of killed. He gets, you know, brought that's up. That's basically killed. 
I yeah, die and I become a cosmic being. What are you talking about? We all cosmic are fart. space dust. We we're all space dust. Um, Gamora, I think out. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think uh, Drax definitely out, and he's talked about this being his last movie. Um, I hope in a way he's out without being killed. I hope he kind of gets a happy ending. Um, I think Mantis is safe. Um, uh, what's what's uh, Sean Gunn's character's name? Is he part of this too? He's part of the team. Yeah, he's on the he's on the, the poster ah, too. Yeah. Hey, really? Yeah. I can't keep track of all this shit. <laughs> I, I think, think he's probably uh, safe. Oh no, actually, he might be gone. I think that's going to be uh, Marvel being yeah, fuck you, James Gunn. We're killing your brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even just that. He's going to leave and go be in DC movies now. He's probably going to be Batman. He already was. He was the weasel in Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. Yeah. And Weasel, spoiler, not dead, still alive. So we'll see mm-hmm. where Weasel shows up. That's going to be funny. Um, yeah, I think Adam Warlock jo- joins the team by the end. So we'll have Warlock, uh, Mantis, Rocket, Cosmo, Groot. And Nebula is my only toss-up. I think it could be either or for Nebula. I, I think, think she's going to have some good well, growth. Yeah. It, one of them has to go Gamora or Nebula. And see, if, that's 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 my toss up because I think they're both on well, I Zoe uh, uh what's her name? Saldana. Saldana. Saldana, yeah. yeah. She's got a pretty high profile career that she, is sort of on the way I think be, probably because of Marvel. I think the door has kind of been closing or like her star has been fading a little bit. Whereas I agree. Karen Gillan, I think, is uh, – uh, I think she is very much still in a spot where she can do it if she wants to. Yeah, and especially if they want to, like, focus on Nebula some more, I think it can make Nebula a star too. Uh, well, like, and I mean even outside of this. Agreed. Hmm. But also, like, Zoe Zaldana, the only ac- actor or actress to have been in the top three highest grossing films of all time. Yep. Uh, maybe the top uh, she's got, uh, four uh, next she's month got, happens. Or this month, rather. She's got, uh, what, Star Wars is the only big sci-fi franchise left she hasn't hit. Give her time, <laughs> I bet. Next. Uh, but yeah, you got... Uh, oh, um, music. Music is a big thing in Guardians. Um, this one has uh, Space Hogs in the meantime in a really dramatic version of it are yeah, you guys familiar gonna... with the song at all nope not really okay i'm I, I i was a fan of it uh and i thought it was a very james gunn pick um to to put this in the movie uh my, my friend kevin um i don't know if he'll ever even watch this but um he, he's kevin. been he's been praising yeah yeah you know you know kevin um he's been praising uh marvel's use of music in their trailers recently uh, i think he's right about that um, well, but but see, that feels end, like not. It doesn't seem to follow the theme of what Guardians has been, where it's you don't do the covers or you don't do orchestrations of these um, songs. It's been the songs, like so. For me, that felt odd because I'm so used to you know the the tape deck and we're pulling yeah. from the '80s and and this so is a '96 song. So yeah, but if, wise, it's but if the tape deck is breaking, what does the song become? Yeah. And if we're going into the future with the songs, we're in the 90s now. Maybe we got to move on from the present with this iteration of Guardians. Maybe we get into grunge at this point. I can see I Adam Warlock being a real Nirvana guy. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's audio slave. 
Oh, we're going late nineties. You don't want to do. Uh, you don't want. You want to skip over like uh, Hootie. You're not a big Hootie guy, there, Marco. Oh, I don't know Hootie. Hootie and the Blowfish. You don't know Hootie and the Blowfish. No, sir. Bro. Give me Rage. Give me Allison Chains. My shit. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Guardians of the Galaxy. May fifth, it's coming out. So we have what do we have? Uh, Quantum Mania, and right. uh, Guardians right after that. The plague has almost stuff? ended. <laughs> well, there's my answer to that question. What was so, the what was the question? <laughs> I was I was gonna say, are you guys excited for this at all? And then Kale comes out with that that gem. This no. Yeah, really? somehow no. I I didn't like Volume Two that much. Yeah. Um, I so either. I would say my uh, my excitement for this is minimal. But that Christmas special, it's pretty good. Is it? It, it reminded me what I liked about it. Um. And I think that's because it, it felt like pure James Gunn, like no real stakes involved, nothing that really had to deal with the MCU. It was just him having fun, um, which uh, this trailer does not look like that. Um, mm. I think tonally, uh, it's not what I wanted. The um, yeah, the sheen of Guardians was like worn off mm. after two. You know, I I saw the first one four or five times, yeah, in total. And uh, after after two, it just like I don't know if it was maybe that. You know, two has just been in the prime of my. I hate Marvel phase, after um, Ultron, but I just uh, the Guardians especially, I just dread it. For for me, I think similarly, it it's lost its, uh, it's lost its luster. I don't. I, it, for me, it's not exciting to see these characters anymore. And I'm gonna, damn, I'm gonna sound like Sean. I mean, I'm gonna watch it. It's fucking, <laughs> it fucking got me. But Marco, a masochist, no way. Believe it, right? And well, a Mark, Marco. It's in the name. And the. I feel like the story has ended, and and I I personally didn't like when they brought back like a time shifted Gamora. Um, I'm like, mm. leave that sort of alone, leave that as a permanent death, and then to resurrect. Uh, I'm hoping they don't kill her off in this one because then I'm like, all right, then well, then why the fuck did we resurrect her in the first place? Like for plot, then I'm not, then I don't care because I I want that emotional resonance, and I was teared up when that happened. So let that sit for me. But now she's back. And yeah, she's different. And you know the love isn't there anymore. So is that going to be an interesting plot point? Hopefully. But I don't care about it because she technically died already. That, that Gamora stuff never felt like it was James Gunn's idea. That always felt like just like the MCU came for a character. And it just happened yeah. to Gamora. Um, just in the terms of like the idea of the whole found family thing. And the relationship that was budding between Gamora and Star-Lord. That felt abrupt, and it felt like it cut into James Gunn's story, to be honest. Hmm. Um, yep. Which I, I think derailed it. I, I think the the a lot of the non guardians guardian stuff that's happened with them has made them not fun, um, over serious. Um, like I just I, like a, a month ago, I was on the uh, the Mission Breakout, which is like the Tower of Terror Guardians of the Galaxy ride. That shit's super fun because it's goofy. It plays in with the music. It's loud. It's bombastic. Uh, Guardians has been kind of dreary, you know, mm -hmm. um, and this trailer kind of really cements that for me. 
even the song choice and making it not the original song and, and making it a, um, a, a like a it was orchestral, right? From what I remember, yeah, it was. Um, it, it, tonally, it it shifts Guardians to something that where I'm like, this is why it's, the comics aren't working, you know. Uh, yeah. Catherine in the in the chat says, "I also feel like Guardians is so fun and goofy, and Marvel sort of overdid that in other things, so it's not as special, etc. anymore with these characters." Which I think that's a good point when you look at um, uh, Love and Thunder, where that mm-hmm. shit was just jokes on jokes on jokes, and we know these guys as jokey characters. Um, well, kind of overdid it. It almost seems like uh, the MCU has kind of shifted. Everything, everything non Guardians has turned into like these goofy Guardians esque things. Like they're taking cues from that, whereas Guardians then is taking cues from like Thor two, you know, um, or it's it's becoming the opposite of that. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird inversion that I don't really agree with. Um, but while I see it, yes, a because we have a podcast, uh, and b because uh, I do like the Guardians of the Ga- Galaxy as characters. Sure. So there is maybe a morbid curiosity involved, but Kale, are you watching this? No. Begrudgingly. <laughs> I'm gonna be sick that day. I'm gonna uh-huh. retire before I finish. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, yeah that's probably. uh that's our show. Guys, thank you for having us. Thank you again to Alex Packnadel for joining us at the beginning of the show. Um Great definitely talk. check out uh, all against all that comes out this December seventh, this Wednesday. Um it's a fun book. It's a fun book. It's a little, little, yeah. uh, the, let's just say, uh, 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 the cliffhanger at the end of the, the, the first issue in the last page isn't the only thing hanging. So that'll be a little, hey, yo, yeah. little teaser for you guys. Um, uh, we, maybe we'll do this one on Pals Pools? Uh, I mean, yeah, if it we'll comes see. out, yeah, we can, we can then talk about it, you know. Yeah, we're we're not the ones in charge of that this week. Yeah, and what 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 are you worried about? It's not like you're going to show up. <laughs> wow, way to way to burn me for having a work life. Poor poor Jeez. work life. Oh, dude, oh, I saw oh, you on oh, a party oh. bus that day. What what was going on? <laughs> yeah, it was our holiday party, dude. We, we, I was drinking from nine oh, oh, forty-five yeah, uh, in the morning. So our boss our boss is coming in, so uh, so I can't make the show. Dude's he on did. a party bus. <laughs> yeah, he mm-hmm. did because it was a holiday party. Whole day, dude. I didn't get back home till like, like eleven. You look like you're still recovering from it. I think I, also, I got fucking sick. I'm dying. Yeah, it, it <laughs> sounds like you caught something there. So, yeah. typical corporate holiday parties being mass mass spreaders. Mm-hmm. Well, hate you to know see how it. it. Is. Hate to see it. Um, but uh, I guess let's do some plugs now. Let's let's, let's end this shit. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. Marco first. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to another episode of the Comics Pals. Wow, that caught me off guard too, Kale. I, oh, I had to struggle to put oh, that one together. That's that's my place. Yep. Yep. Um, you can follow me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Come talk to me about. Uh, I'm still on my One Piece binge. I am almost done with Skypea, and it has been phenomenal. Um, do you know what? Do you know what chapter that is? Uh, I'm watching the anime, so that's oh. Episode oh. one, like seventy something. Um, Just watching like it dubbed, me. right? I am watching it dubbed. Yeah, until until we get to the wait, you are cause, well, because then I gotta pay attention when I I have it sometimes running in the background, like for work fair, and stuff. Fair, yeah. So I gotta be able to. So he's not listen. actually watching it, right? I can't read my animes and watch my mangas. So you're listening to an anime. Yeah, uh, and um, 
No, I won't say that. Okay, that's it. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm going to ask that after we're, 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 we go off the air. That's okay. Um, Kale. You have to tell me again. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Tow. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at KaleWar.com. That's C A L E W A D.com. Don't forget to go pick up Common Writer Kuga, Volume 1. Woo! And then go pick up on December 13th. Yeah. Uh, Adam, The Beginning, Volume 2. Mm. And 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 be sure to pick it up in physical, or else one of your best friends is gonna give you shit about buying it not in digital. Yep. Uh, 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 do you mean one of your best friends will lose their place as best friends? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Who took over? I think Sean no got one. bumped up. Whoa. <laughs> Sean did get bumped up, but not to best friend. Okay. Okay. Ian, I don't know if he and I have we uh, you and I have really strong uh, uh, connection. You know, yeah. from I mean, it was Sparks the second we met, but it was you know, kiss instantly uh, Sean, or something. We were like, uh, I remember it was you were. I had just gotten there. I was I was new, and I sat next to you. We're and, talking about the old place, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. And like we struck up conversation. I'm like, this guy looks a little grouchy. I like him. Like, he, <laughs> he has he has his hot takes. I it's respect fu- it. It's, it's funny because you uh, you were saying that you you you've become a howdy guy, and you'll always to me you'll always be a. Uh, hi, I'm Marco. <laughs> <laughs> Soft spoken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Never. Oh, wow. Didn't used to say a word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I, I mean, I, I watched the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't even there. I'm still playing Pokemon. Um, it's still buggy as hell, but I'm having a great time. The patch came out. So did, did it not yeah. fix it? No, please. <laughs> Jesus Christ, come on, guys. Game Freak, <laughs> that, what are you doing? They they need a lot more work than whatever they put out. <laughs> I saw I saw like a YouTube alert saying like oh, Pokemon one point one zero patches. It's a British yeah. guy that that's my impression of him. Um, I was like, oh, exciting! Uh, I didn't download it yet. Yeah, it's not uh, not that. Who much um, out of the new Mons? Any any of them really sticking with you? And why is it Flamingo? Ooh. I uh, no. <laughs> I just evolved Wiglet into Wugtrio. Which and he, is a little problematic based on some slang that is in the US for dude. white people. That never mind. That's it, it's using the same it's game freak, come on. Uh, is, is this not the same as uh Diglet, yeah? No no it's no. Wiglet. Oh, the um, the Pokedex says it was once thought it was a regional variant of Diglett, but now it's not. Oh, interesting. Oh. I mean, it is, obviously, but it's not. Sure. <laughs> uh, other than that, I'm using that to uh, procrastinate uh, from uh, all the writing I have to be doing. So Homework. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of procrastination, I uh, have been playing a lot of uh, World of Warcraft. So if you guys play that at all. Talk to me about that. I got my second level 70 last night. It's good good to do. Um, I bet that's yeah, a could, thing. Uh, <laughs> dude, it's 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 so fun. They made like the most uh, monotonous things in the game, which were uh, travel, like flying around, uh, which mm. used to be just like, all right, you get to move a little faster. Now just move a little faster places. And professions, which is like, all right, you click a button, you make a thing. They actually gamified both of those things that are like core to the gameplay. Um, and it works really well. Uh, so it was kind of kind of cool to see them 
rejuvenate some of like the baseline things that have been there for nearly 20 years now. Like that's how old the game is. Um, this so. is fucking adorable. What the hell is this thing? Panda mouse and mouse oh, hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mouse hold, yeah. Yeah, you what? can get a you can get Dude. a uh, you can get a three family one too. It's a it's a one in twenty five chance. Yeah. Did um did they did they bring back the like contests? No, there's something. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not that far in, but there is something. Because that was always my favorite. Like this would be immediately in the cute category. Tyler, what about where people can find the show? Uh, they can find the show at the Comics Pals on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. On TikTok, on Twitch, and then patreon.com slash the comics pals if you want to support us and get a cool little uh, superhero power, super villain power. You don't get to pick what the power is. You also don't get to pick if we decide if you're a villain or, or a hero. So, yeah. yep. There's a bit of a, it's like a, those mystery bags people always like to get at those uh, conventions, those boxes. You don't know what you're going to get. Back in my day, we used to call them Wonder Balls, you know, which, which, little chocolate ball with the, the candy oh, in yeah. it. Loot oh, crates. I wonder, now. wonder what's in a Wonder Ball. Thank you, Cal. There we go. I used to love those things. Even though it was like chocolate and then like sour candy inside the chocolate, uh, yeah. palette-wise, did not work. Nope. Kind of gross. Did you guys ever have the Kinder Eggs? Kinder uh, illegal. And the real Kinder Eggs are illegal in the U.S. They are. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I would choke on it. Yeah, Tyler was definitely that kid. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, but that's the show, guys. Um, Let's get out of here. Kale, finish it. Do your thing. See you next week. Okay. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Bye, guys. You, man, you didn't set me up at all. Yeah. No, so I'm, do I'm, it. On, on your toes. Do it. Do it. Execute all the See you next week. <laughs> there it is. Bye, guys.